0: Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insight Podcast Series. I'm Alison Hill, State Chief Investment Officer at QIC, and each week we invite our listeners to Take 10 and to get an update on economics, markets and other topics of interest for institutional investors. Each podcast, I'm joined by QIC's Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Hello, Matthew.
1: Hi, Alison.
0: Big news yesterday with the release of the review into the RBA, Matthew. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but that was just the snippets that we'd heard. But as expected, I think no major changes to the RBA policy framework. So the main thing, still targeting that 2 to 3% average band of inflation um, and targeting full employment for the, for the labour market. But there was a big change in... I guess, trying to make it a less internally focused organisation and looking at greater transparency, particularly in relation to monetary policy determination. So I think they're looking at having an additional board, which is going to have more challenge from economists and monetary policy experts and better communication to the markets, household and businesses. But that's a really quick, or at least my perception of a quick sum up of the 51 recommendations that were made. How are you thinking about it? Anything that's sort of standing out to you or anything that's making you feel uneasy?
1: Well, you're right in that you picked out the key points and the fact that they have decided not to tinker with monetary policy framework, meaning that, you know, the RBA is still to target inflation with a band of, within a band of 2 to 3% and also full employment, as you said, um, should give the market comfort that there's no revolutionary change um, that is going to come out of the recommendations. It's more to do, as you pointed out, with the structure and the decision making of the RBA with respect to monetary policy. Um, the key uh, initiative in in my view and most people's view is the creation of the Monetary Policy Board, which will take over monetary policy setting from the current um, RBA board. Uh, and that really brings the RBA in line with uh, the practices of uh, other central banks uh, like the Fed and the Bank of England. And that Monetary Policy Board will have greater um, expertise within uh, economics and monetary policy setting. They'll bring in academics and market economists and uh, monetary policy experts onto that board. And that's all designed to provide, I think, more challenge to the RBA uh, in terms of their ability to set monetary policy basically without much uh, external input. And that's been a a criticism, a problem of the RBA and the RBA board, which consists of uh, largely non-experts, business people, and sometimes the odd economists. But it doesn't really have the clout to challenge the RBA on monetary policy. Now, that monetary policy board will have quite a bit of independence from the RBA and will have a lot of clout. In fact, buried within those recommendations is that the RBA is to set up an independent research group effectively within the RBA, which then the monetary policy board members have access to. So they will have access to their own research facility to be able to do work into monetary policy setting, the economy and whatnot. And the board members will also be expected to uh, communicate uh, monetary policy to the market and uh, in the public domain. So. That Monetary Policy Board is the real key change that that I see. It raises the question not only of you know, greater challenge to the RBA, which is a good thing, but also given the clout that that board will have, how those members are chosen, how they're appointed. Now, if you look at other central banks, there's differences there. The Federal Reserve has you know, an appointment mechanism for their members of the FOMC, which is their equivalent of the Monetary Policy Board, which is very much at at arm's length from the government, whereas the Bank of England with its Monetary Policy Committee, the board members are appointed directly by uh, the Treasury. So there's different models and it will affect the independence potentially of uh, the Monetary Policy Board. But in summary, I think uh, the recommendations are on the right track. I sort of endorse Really, the uh, the review, uh, Alison. I suppose was there any market response to the release?
0: No, not really, Matthew. I mean, I think you know some of the key recommendations were largely expected. There was obviously a little bit of a extra detail there, but I think it's generally considered by the market to be quite prudent and seems to be a very sensible measure. And, and as you say, it brings it largely in line with international peers in terms of governance and oversight. So hopefully, it'll be a good step forward. You're listening to Alison Hill and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where I'm discussing markets and economics with Dr. Matthew Peter. Matthew, also released this week's was the Minutes of the March meeting um, from the RBA, and we've got another meeting looming quite soon on the 2nd of May. Any insights as to whether we're going to be on hold or whether we think we might get potentially one more or even beyond that?
1: Yeah, well, the Minutes certainly left the door open for a rate hike in May. You know, we've got the banking woes in US and Europe that really you know impacted global financial markets in the lead-up to the RBA's April meeting their last meeting those issues seemingly have settled for the moment now the RBA will turn to uh, the domestic economic data to decide whether or not to resume rate rate hikes um, and on that point within the minutes they really flagged that intention and they flagged really three main areas though were going to look at in terms of the local data, that was uh, labour market data, inflation data and business sentiment data. They're watching that and then they're going to decide, having seen that data, what they're going to do. Now, what in May that is. Now, what we have seen, we've already got the labour market report for March. It was a blockbuster. um, Unemployment rate, you know, still down 3.5%. Business conditions data is showing that business conditions remain strong. And that really leaves the inflation data, which we get out next week uh, for Q1. So depending on how that data comes out, it's looking like a a 25 basis point uh, rate hike is
0: possible. Okay. So 25 basis points. Okay, good call there. So I'm going to ask you another crystal ball question, Matthew. The inflation data, which will come out next week, are we seeing any relief in Australia? We've certainly seen a bit of a shock in the UK where inflation stayed higher than expected. And I know just, you know, speaking to everyone personally, we're all feeling that cost of living pressures. So what do you think is happening in Australia? Any any insights that you can offer here?
1: Well, unfortunately, in terms of the cost of living pressures, they have continued over March. Uh, there's certainly no relief from inflation over the March quarter. Uh, we expect, in fact, the uh, inflation to print uh, at about 6.9% on an annual basis. And and that's what, you know, households are feeling that ongoing rise in inflation. But while prices are still rising, the key in terms of monetary policy setting is that pace of inflation is falling and that 6.9% rate, if we're right, will be around one percentage point lower than what it was in December. Now, The Reserve Bank tends to look more at what's called underlying inflation, that's inflation excluding the the big outliers, both on the upside and the downside, to get a better handle of the the broader inflation pressures in the economy. And unfortunately, that inflation rate we expect also to rise by around about that 6.9%, where Penciling 6.8%. Now, importantly, given the RBA's concentration on that underlying inflation rate, It looks to me like if we're right about that, that'll tend to push the RBA into another rate hike in May because when you look at what the RBA itself is expecting, in terms of um, that underlying inflation rate you can infer from its forecast that it's expecting a rate of about 6.5 percent so somewhere closer to seven will be an overshoot and that may be enough to push the rba into Mm. the uh, one more rate hike on the 2nd of may at their next meeting now I know you mentioned about markets there. I know markets have been very skittish on the pricing of future RBA cash rates. They've been up and down all over the place over the last couple of months. What's the market pricing at the moment, Alison?
0: Yeah, thanks, Matthew. Markets domestically and internationally, for that matter, have been quite skittish in relation to um, cash rate pricing, which is not surprising given the you know, significant interest and the importance of what that um, central bank rate is. But domestically, we're looking at one more rate hike. Interestingly, it's priced in for sort of August or September, not so much May, which is what I think your expectations are. But look, the RBA in the minutes certainly did leave it open to raise again in May. But some of the commentary out there, I think, is pushing it back just because of the question, would you only leave it for one month and then go again? Uh, But I do tend to agree. I think given the likelihood of persistence of inflation data and and also movements internationally, that the RBA probably will go in May. Interestingly, though, there had previously been some cuts factored into the markets into the back end of uh, 2023, and that's no longer being priced in. Um, And people are looking for a more consistent cash rate policy for some time into the new year. So, hopefully a little bit of steadiness for us all and hopefully that will also see inflation being curtailed. Matthew thank you for joining me this week and thanks also to our listeners for joining us and taking 10.